I am sure that either by watching television or reading the paper, most likely in this group as opposed to the early group, uh, surfing the internet, you know that the national discussion is on things that matter, and not just things that matter, but who matters. And as we get into the Word of God this morning, I want to add to that discussion in this way and talk about the reality that names matter, particularly in the Word of God, names really matter. Now, they matter to us because it's how we identify one another, and so I can call upon you and you call upon me. We know who we're talking with, and so that's important, but in Scripture, it's more than identification. In Scripture, names were given to describe the character of someone or the uniqueness of someone. And so with that being said, I hope you agree with me that the one name that matters most of all, of course, is the name Jesus. Uh, Jesus. I think Bill Gaither got it right when he wrote that simple little song, There's Something About That Name. Of course, we know from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Christians in Philippi that there is coming a day that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And that there's coming a day that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord for the glory of the Father. But here's the question I have for you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. What do you really know about Jesus? If someone were to ask you to share with them everything you know about Jesus, what, what would you tell them? Is it possible? Is it possible for us to come together week in and week out and not just here but across the nation and, and exalt and lift up? and even raise our hands in praise to this one who is Jesus, and then participate in study of God's word, Bible studies, whether it's Sunday school or home, small home group or some additional Bible study you want to be a part of. Is it possible for us to continually worship and lift up his name and study the word and still only have a surface understanding of who he is? Well, studies done not just long ago by reputable Christian researchers such as George Barner and others, unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. And so today, I want to begin a series of messages with you, focusing in on the names of Jesus, because in his names, we discover who he is, what he's done, what he's doing now, everything we need to know about him. So I want to begin a series of messages exploring the names of Jesus in hopes that all of us not only will know who he is and understand all the things we need to know, but you'll also be able to share this with others, because there's no other name like the name of Jesus. So I want to begin today with the name that was first given to him 
He was given the name Jesus, but then he was given another name. And I want to begin there because this is where he entered into the history of mankind. So we're going back to his birth, being born into the very world he himself created, as we will see in just a moment, from the word of God. And I want to begin in, in the prophecy of Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen, I think, but if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7 and in verse 14. The prophet Isaiah is talking about what God had planned what, as he was working towards redemption, working toward bringing himself to this world. And the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 7 and in verse 14, the prophet said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Now let's move forward in history. 750 years later, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. There's a man by the name of Joseph. You probably know the Christmas story. He is betrothed to a young peasant woman by the name of Mary. He has discovered she's with child. And he's struggling. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? And so an angel of the Lord, we find out later, which is Gabriel, but an angel of the Lord comes to him and shares this message with him, beginning in verse 22 and into verse 23. He says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, and here he's quoting Isaiah, the virgin shall be with child and, she, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. This whole book we call scripture, we call the word of God, is God revealing himself to man so that not only would man know that he was, that he existed, that he was creator of everything, but he wanted to have a personal living relationship with man and he wanted man to know what he was really like. And this is the ultimate revelation of God. Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. Now, I want to look at this name, Emmanuel, and, and I want to draw your attention to three things as it relates, of course, to Jesus. This is Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And I want to draw your attention to three things that this one name explains for us today. First of all, Jesus' supernatural incarnation. We're talking about the most incredible event of history, and that is the birth of of Jesus into the very world that he created. So if you take your Bibles, I want to begin in the Gospel of Luke as we begin to look at Jesus' supernatural incarnation. Here, the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary. He talks with Mary before he actually talked with Joseph. And he comes to Mary, he reveals himself to Mary, and he shares with her this incredible word. Oh, by the way, you have found favor with God, and you're going to bear a son. And this son is going to be a holy child. And he's going to be called the son of God. Now, Mary, naturally, 
ask the obvious question. <laughs> um, and that's given to us in verse 34. It says, Mary said to the angel, now how can this be? Since I am a virgin. In other words, this is impossible. This is impossible. So the angel describes to Mary exactly how this supernatural, miraculous thing is going to take place. So he says in verse 35, the angel said to her, this the, said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, referring to the Most High God, the only true living God, Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, this Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now listen carefully to what he said. He is saying that Jesus' birth into this world had a heavenly origin. It was by the power of God himself through the work of the Holy Spirit in Mary's life. And so as a result of that, Jesus was fully God. But he also had an earthly origin, which was Mary. And so he was fully man. And so when we talk about Emmanuel, we talk about the supernatural incarnation, we're talking about the God-man. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. He wasn't 50% God and 50% man. No, he was totally, unquestionably God, God with us, Emmanuel, but he was totally, fully man. And so he experienced hunger. Just like we experienced hunger because he was fully man. But then he could take the meager snack lunch of a young lad and feed 5,000 plus people with just that meager lunch because he was fully God. He experienced thirst. Just like we get thirsty because he was fully man. But then he could walk on water because he was fully God. The scripture says that he was born and, and he grew in stature. He, just like we, we're born as a babe, we grow physically. And he was being raised by Mary and raised by Joseph, a peasant mother, a carpenter as a father. And, and, and so the scripture says he not only grew physically, but he grew in knowledge because he was fully man. But then he also knew what was in the heart and mind of every person in his life because he was fully God. He was God with us. Deity poured into humanity. Listen to what Paul uh, says about Jesus in his letter to the Christians in Colossians. Just turn to your right, Colossians chapter one and, and in verse 15, and, and Paul is describing for them who Jesus was so that they would have an understanding of Emmanuel, God with us, the God man. And here's what he says, and, and chapter one, verse 15 says, he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. God wants us to know not just that he is and that he is creator, 
God wants us to know what he's like. And that's why we have the supernatural incarnation of Jesus. The image of the invisible God. Listen to this word out of Hebrews chapter 1 and and in verse 3. Particularly the very first part of this verse. It says, and he, again, talking about Jesus, he is the radiance of his, that is, most high God, his glory, and the exact, listen to this, representation of his nature. Then he goes on to say, and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, which is where Jesus is now, the right hand of the Father. Did you see those words? The exact representation of the nature of God. This is why when we go back to the Gospel of John, and I know I'm moving you back a lot, but I just want to see the the consistency here of the Word of God. But but in John chapter 14, Jesus is with the disciples, and one of his disciples said said to Jesus, said, look, and it's found in John 14 and verse 8, he says, he says, Lord, show us the Father. We'll be satisfied. Just show us the Father. We're glad you're here, Son of God, but we want to see the Father, the Most High God. And so it says in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Philip, who do you think you're talking to? To put it in Paul's terms, Philip, I am the image of the invisible God. I am the exact representation of his nature. And so he concludes, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, how can you ask me, show us the Father? What he was saying, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. The supernatural incarnation Jesus. Now, with that said, let me draw us quickly to the second thing. Not only Jesus' supernatural incarnation, there was a purpose for that, and that was Jesus' supernatural intervention. His intervention for you and for me and really for the whole world. Now, now to explain that, I want you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth, 2 Corinthians. You didn't know you was going to have a sword drill today, did you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and in verse 21, a, very, a verse we go to often because it just puts it all together for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in verse 21. And listen carefully with me as we unfold this one incredible verse. It says, and he, talking about God the Father, eternal God and Father, the Lord God of heaven and earth, He made him, God the Son, that's Jesus, Emmanuel, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. You say, no, wait a second. Wait a second. The scripture teaches that when Adam and Eve chose 
to listen to Satan and deliberately chose to disobey God, they brought sin into this world. And the scripture says that sin, the guilt of sin, and then the sinful nature is passed on to everyone who is born into this world. I was born under the guilt of sin. I was born with a sinful nature. <laughs> it's still there. But what's true of me is true of you. <laughs> you were born just like me. Like everyone who's ever since Adam and Eve has been born. With a sinful nature. That, that draws us away from the will of God and, and the ways of God and the word of God to have attitudes and take action and involve ourselves in activities that we know is contrary to what is best for us and, of course, his word because God wants the best for us. And so we sin. Now you said Jesus at his birth was fully God. I mean, fully man. Absolutely. Well, what about him? This verse says he had no sin. But remember what Gabriel said to Mary. One that you're going to give birth to is not going to be birthed from an earthly father, but from an eternal father. The power of the Holy Spirit from the Most High God, the Holy, Holy, Holy Lord of hosts is going to bring about that conception in you. And he will be, what Gabriel said, a holy child. Which is why I would be called the son of God. And so Jesus was not born under the guilt of sin as we are. He uh, were. He was not born with a sinful nature as we were. Because he was not born of an earthly father, but an eternal holy father. So he had no sin, and as he lived out his life, fully man and fully God, the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us, he never sinned. And that was, listen to me, absolutely, totally essential for you and I. Because here's what it says. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. How did he do that? He paid for the penalty of our sin on the cross of Calvary. Because the penalty of sin is death. And so the scripture says he paid for it in full. He was the perfect eternal atonement for all of our sin. The guilt of all of our sins. So that being eternally forgiven and cleansed, his righteousness is credited to our account. Hallelujah, amen? What this tells us is this. Now, I want you to listen to me here. Jesus is the eternal spiritual emulsifier for us. Now, for those who may not understand what I mean, probably you do, but just in case. In the simplest of terms, here's what an emulsifier is. 
It's that substance or that agent that takes two totally incompatible things and brings them together. Let me give you an example I think you can relate to. We're living in a season right now. I'm talking about just where we are, July, August, where a lot of us, not all, but a lot of us like to eat tomato sandwiches. Do I have a witness on that? Amen. Yeah, there we go. Some of us add lettuce to it. Some of us who are smart add bacon to it as well. We love a BLT, right? Bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. But listen, I'm not going to eat a BLT or just a tomato sandwich if we don't add one more ingredient to that meal. Mayonnaise. And biblically, it must be Duke's mayonnaise. Do I have a witness on that? <laughs> yeah, amen. You know what I mean, Lord. <laughs> now, mayonnaise is an interesting product. When you look at the label of the ingredients, the top three, you know, they put down uh, in the label the ingredients based upon the most important down to the least. And so the, the top three ingredients in mayonnaise involves two ingredients that are totally incompatible with one another. It's called oil. It's called water. As you know, they don't mix. But when you add an egg, the egg becomes the emulsifier. The egg brings the oil and the water together, add a little vinegar, a little bit of a few ingredients, and voila. You got mayonnaise because of the egg being the emulsifier. A holy, holy, holy God is totally separated, incompatible with sinful man. They don't mix. What we needed was an emulsifier. And that was Jesus, the God-man, Emmanuel. And because he was willing to be the emulsor, the spiritual, eternal emulsifier, then he could take a holy, holy God and bring him together with a sinful man. And we now have a personal living relationship with him. That's what Emmanuel teaches us. God with us. The God-man. Here's how the Apostle Peter worded it in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 18. It says, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that's us, the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. So at his birth, 
when Jesus was given this, this first name outside of Jesus itself, Emmanuel. We see a, an understanding of his supernatural incarnation and his supernatural intervention on our behalf. Well, let me close with this. And that is Jesus' supernatural involvement in our lives. And then what you're talking about here? Well, when a man or woman, boy or girl, receive Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, as their personal Lord and Savior, it's no longer simply God with us. It is now God with you. It's no longer just the fulfillment of prophecy. Now it's personal, very personal. Now, this God-man, because of the God-man, because of Emmanuel, because he's the one who has brought us together with him, now, this same God who is creator of all things. By the way, you can look this up later in First Colossians, I mean in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. says that Jesus, everything was created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. So the same God in Genesis 1-1 where it says, and God created the heavens and the earth is this one we call Jesus. But now... He is operating in me. Now he is personally operating in my world. I'm talking about my world, not just the world. I'm talking about my world. Now he is operating in personally in the midst of my chaos. Uh, whatever you have gone through, whatever you're going through right now, it's no longer just God with us. Now it's God with you. Whatever challenges you have faced, that you're facing right now, it's not just that God is with us, it is God now is with you. Operating in your life, operating in your world, operating in your chaos. How does that express itself? Well, go back with me to the prophet Isaiah one more time. We'll close with this. Isaiah, not chapter 7, but Isaiah chapter 9. As the prophet continues to explain the coming event of the incarnation of Jesus, he describes Jesus this way for us. Verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Listen carefully. Here's this description of Emmanuel, God with you. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What does that mean for us? I just jot these things down and I think it'd be helpful for you. Wonderful counselor, I receive from Jesus personal guidance. I, I may ask you your opinion on things because I like to know what you're thinking. 
and maybe God is going to be speaking through you, but I want you to know that my personal counselor is Jesus. He's first and foremost. I start with him and I stay with him. And he may use you to help me, but he is my, no one gives counsel like Jesus, right? I mean, he's got perfect knowledge of all things. He's got perfect wisdom. Why would I go to anyone else? Because I've already got God with me. It's personal now, you see. So I have a personal guidance, personal counsel. I have power unlimited. It's not my power, but it says that he is mighty God. That just simply means whatever, whatever Jesus tells me to do, whatever he counsels me to do in his word, according to his ways, what his will is, he will empower me to do everything he asks and tells me to do. I have a personal guidance. I have power unlimited. I have a paternal love. Everlasting father. I'm an earthly father. I'm an earthly grandfather, better known as Baba. But you see, I'm, I've made mistakes as an earthly father and as an earthly grandfather. I know that. They know that. We all know. But I'm not talking about an earthly everlasting Father who loves me 24-7 and that his love for me is totally unchanging and it's unchangeable. Let me remind you what I have said many, many occasions. Once you enter into this personal living relationship with him, he's not just God, and he's not just God with us, now he's God with you through Christ, his son, our Savior, into your life. There is nothing you can do so good that's going to cause him to love you more than he loves you right now because he loves you perfectly right now. And that's unchanging. It's unchanging. There's nothing you can do. You can grieve his heart, and I have in my life made the wrong choices, made bad choices, made choices that were sin. Let's just be honest. We all are there. We stumble at times. We struggle at times. And I can grieve his heart uh, as I grieve the Holy Spirit. But one thing I know based on the word of God, that his love for me does not change because it's unconditional. And I have that because of Emmanuel, God with me now. So I have personal guidance. I got power unlimited. I have paternal love and peace of heart. That's why Paul wrote Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, not just big things, everything, through prayer and supplication and the spirit of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that comes through the Prince of Peace will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus, our Emmanuel. God with you. If you know him, if you know the God-man as your personal Lord and Savior. So Father God, it began with you. It began with you as God the Father, Jesus, God the Son, Holy Spirit. You desiring to not only reveal that you were, but what you was like, because you desired this personal living relationship with us, where you could bless us with these things in our lives. And so you sent your son, Jesus, and gave him the name Emmanuel to teach us about his personal incarnation, his personal intervention for us, and personal involvement in our lives. Thank you, Lord. My hope and my trust is that through your word, anyone that is here today never come to that understanding, needing to accept your son, the God-man, Savior, into their life. And Lord, through your word, that will become a reality for them. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. May God's favor be with you. You're dismissed.